start this? <laughs> I've just had a total mental block. I even wrote it down earlier and I forgot about it. So that was the pose? <laughs> a bit earlier when you were singing the uh, singing fiesta, do that. Oh, all right. That <laughs> does sound slightly patronizing. Uh, British person just going, yeah. But um, why not? <laughs> no. What? So you want me to start with because <laughs> that has been what's going on in my head ever since we did this. Um, I feel we should start at the beginning a little bit, um, although obviously that means I just want to say the words nipple erectus. Um, it was a sort of, I don't want to say bog standard punk, but it was just a bit buzzcocksy, a bit pistolsy. There's I, I feel that if that had been his contribution to music, even if they had another album, they would be on a best of punk. Is that fair to say? No small achievement in itself. If they, you know, just had one or two tracks on the best of punk compilation from the. I mean, I I really like the Nipple Erectors. They're inessential punk, but but it's great fun, and it must have been amazing to see live. I mean, imagine being a really really young Shane McGowan doing those songs. I think we're really brilliant. Yeah. No, I agree. I think, I think that would have been a sight to see. Um, uh-huh. But I think you're right. I think the music was fairly standard. It was fairly ordinary. It was like, um, I mean, the, the song Gabriella, I think, was slightly atypical, but but most of it was kind of rockabilly. And I think that was the sort of thing that the Clash used to play yeah. before yeah. they started writing songs, you know. And so the, yeah, yeah. there was this tradition of, of bands just doing messed up versions of rock and roll songs. Um, yeah. And yeah, yeah, it was probably brilliant fun. I would have loved to have been there, but not necessarily worth. I mean, it was when we went into the immersion uh, the first time, not obviously while we did the podcast, but when it came up on Facebook, which actually wasn't, it was within the last year, but that's right, yeah? Obviously yeah. with the yeah. coronavirus, the, the idea within the last year just doesn't seem normal anymore. Yeah. At some point- we, Exactly a year ago. Oh, wow, perfect, okay. Um, the, this stuff was totally new. Um, I actually went into the immersion thinking, I know some pogues. Um, I probably know a little bit more than I, I think I do, um, but there was definitely a whole lot of stuff that was totally new to me. However, I did come out of it thinking, I knew so much of that. And while in my head, I initially attributed it to, I lived in Ireland for a few years, uh, like I said, lots of Irish weddings, it, must have been played at various places. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife at that point uh, pointed out that we've watched The Wire three times. And um, moving on to the, the next album, we have what well, uh, Transmetropolitan uh, was the scene where McNulty crashed his car. Uh, okay. Later on, we've got Death of an American, which was the yeah. sort of fake wake thing. Yeah. I was aware of so much of this stuff without realizing. Yeah, I mean, they, they came out of the gates. They came out of the gates um, shouting, playing fast, and I, it seemed they were doing their own sort of thing, right? I mean... Yeah, completely. I mean, it, that's the thing I love about it, is that it doesn't sound like anything else still to me. Transmetropolitan yeah. doesn't sound like anyone else. Even bands who have deliberately aped the Pogues, you know, like the Dropkick Murphys or, Murphys or whatever, they, nobody's quite captured that kind of... Uh, I, I don't know, I suppose it's a kind of spindly, kind of k- kind of rattly um, k- kind of folk music, but with that punk energy, which is just, it's just different, I think, to, I to mean, most other things. They do do a perfect 
sing along a tune, not sing along a word, but uh, like I did at the start. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, as mm -hmm. I was saying, fuck it, I'm moving on to Fiesta. Fiesta was one of those. I realized I knew so much and I couldn't quite place it. Um, and then it's probably every, every highlight of every piece of football on TV in, in Ireland when I lived in Dublin <laughs> played that. It was at every wedding. It was on TV and in commercials all the time. Um, it's one of those pieces of music that's so ubiquitous, I had forgotten it was there. I, yeah, I think that's, and that, that, I suppose sometimes things that are really obvious are kind of the most genius ideas. What I love about it is that it's totally atypical. It's like nothing else they ever did. It was like Shane just went, oh, I want to do a song about shooting straight to hell. Uh, I decided to sing it in like Spanish and, and do it with this mad mariachi treatment. And it's still brilliant, you know, in its way. I mean, you might think it's a bit silly, but yes, in its way, it's genius. I mean, the, the fact that it's, it's so ubiquitous everywhere is because it's so catchy, it's so good. I mean, would it be, un would it be sort of slightly unfair to say that a lot, some of their songs sounded like a bunch of drunk people in the pub had an idea for a song. And while most people would have an idea and forget about it, they went, let's do it now. <laughs> let, let, like let's, let's do one. Spain, we'll do it with Spain stuff. Oh, yeah, let's do it now. <laughs> and then they just did it. Yeah. Is that unfair to say? I mean, was there more of a creative process? Uh, I, I think to me, maybe I'm romanticizing it slightly, but to me, I think I, I think that's Shane and that's his kind of a, a genius is that he can be just blank face drunk with everyone else. But those weird creative ideas you come up with, everyone else forgets them. But it seems to me like Shane doesn't go to sleep. He like keeps that idea and, and he develops it. So I think it, it, it starts off like that. It starts off as that spark of mad genius. But I think he somehow has managed to get that drunk, but also hold on to the inspiration at the same time, I now, which I think is very difficult to do. I now have this image in my head of a very hungover, still slightly drunk Shane McGowan in his kitchen, uh, cigarette, cornflakes, whatever, just mumbling. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and just as he walks around the kitchen, it finally kicks in. <laughs> I really hope that happened. Uh, I think uh, reading James Fernley's book, it's it's not fa too far off. Except I don't think he really got hungover. I think he, yeah, not he genuinely, like it sounds like a joke, but I don't think he really slept. He just mm. passed out drunk and woke up and drank again. Yeah, which yeah. is very sad in a way. You know, it's like a terrible, terrible yeah. alcoholic. But most alcoholics completely stop functioning. Yeah. But but he seemed to keep doing it from the age of maybe a, from from before the Pogues' first album. Did it, he it ever seems really... he was like that, and it, so it's an incredible thing that he managed to keep it going. I mean, did he ever really have a, a proper clean period? Well, I don't know. What do you think, Nick, from that book? I mean. Well, I mean, the book only really goes up until when they kicked him out of the pub. Yes, that's right. And, that, and I guess if... if can, we just mention, can, can we just mention which book we're reading? Oh, oh yeah. it's called Here Comes Everybody by... What's his name? James Sorry, Fernley. James Fernley was the accordionist in the Pogues. Yeah. It's a very good book. I just read it before, the, uh, before doing this podcast, so I could sound like I knew what I was talking about. Um, but it, it's, it's one of those um, rare rock bios where it's... Um, it's quite literary, occasionally a little bit too florid, but <laughs> um, it, but, but it, it just, you know, really tells the anecdote. I mean, they're such great anecdotes anyway. Even if it'd be badly written, it would probably still be a good book. Yeah. So it's just a bonus that, that uh, 
the guy can actually write. Yeah. But yeah, in answer to your question, it, it ends pretty much when the kid's shane out of the pogues. And I imagine if he ever had a clean period in his life, it was probably sometime after that. Yeah. What, would that, that would be early 90s? Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, yes, exactly. Sort of 90, 90 maybe 91. Yeah. Um, to answer your question, apparently he's now clean. He, uh, he broke his pelvis. Horrifically painful injury, one of many. I mean, if again, if you again, the stories are that he, he's broken more limbs than evil can evil. You know, he's like he's absolutely <laughs> because he's because you know because he's always drunk. Um, but the most recent one, apparently, he was in hospital for a long time and apparently he stopped drinking. So that's wow. the last I heard. Not that I keep up to date, but last I heard was he's off it. But I mean, my main question wasn't so much was it about the idea that, oh my God, did he keep drinking all those years? But also creatively, sometimes it's interesting to see what happens to an artist who is sadly or at times defined by their relation to drink mm. when they don't have that anymore. And the same for, for artists who drugs or other uh, addictions, sometimes the creative side suffered or changed dramatically on the way but it doesn't seem like that was that was the case i mean i enjoyed the I mean, whole I, thing sorry sorry no, no no i was going to say I th I, no but i mean i think it did quite quickly i mean you got you had three pretty brilliant albums and then by peace and love i mean even the story is that even uh, at the end of rum sodomy and the lash shane was a complete liability and they were all really worried about him and, and then he got hit by a taxi <laughs> Again, it had a spell in hospital, sort of enforced sobriety. And in hospital, he wrote the songs for a fashion fall from grace with God. So even by that stage, yeah. you know, his, it, it was affecting him badly. And I think by peace and love, it, it had almost completely mushed his brain. So it's not, not to glorify it, you know. And also, I mean, you say there was, obviously there was a couple of outstanding albums towards, towards, at the beginning. And I did definitely enjoy the beginning more than towards the end of it. Um, one track that is not on our playlist, but I'm not even going to urge people to go and listen to it. <laughs> uh, from Crock of Gold, uh, B&I Ferry, um, the Pogues do reggae, um, some like rubber dub dub with a dub in the pub, and Shane shouting, ja! And I'm just, I was listening to it cringing, and it was almost a crime against music. And just <laughs> trying to imagine somebody, a, 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 a massive fan, going, no, 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 it means this. Actually, no, it's shit. I mean, it's really one of those songs that just took me out of, uh, broke every fourth, every wall. And I went, oh my God, this is garbage. And then I started to question that thing of, you know, when you're idle, like whether it's a, a, a poet or someone who you think is an amazing creative genius when they do something bad and then you reassess everything else. And I briefly reassessed everything else. And went, oh no, it's just this, this period. My God, it was bad. The, uh, the Crock of Gold, it's Shane McGowan and the Popes. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, not, it, it's not a Pogues yeah. record. Yeah, but it, I, I think the rest of them, <laughs> if it had been a Pogues record, they would have stopped him. Yeah. <laughs> it was, um, it was Shane McGowan. Yeah, Shane McGowan and the, and the yeah. Pogues. And the Pope's, it was, God, it was terrible. Did we, we listened to this on the immersion though, right? Yeah, on the immersion we carried on. Through the yeah, that was why, that's why, I get, that's, why, that's why I remember listening to it a year ago and I put it on last night and my, and my wife had the look of, oh my God, what are you doing? Shame, shame. <laughs> but I, I'm sure you would say like, Nick, it's fair to say your favourite band of the fall 
Yes. Right. So they've had their moments of absolute garbage. Absolutely. Largely because the creative force like had a quarter of a brain left. Mm-hmm. You know, which is sadly, I think, what happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think... Um, it's brain damage. You, you end up not being able to do this stuff because... Oh, and that's... I mean, every band... You know. I mean, the bands I love that have tracks, I go, this is awful. But then there's, there's awful and bad, and then there's tragically misguided. Mm-hmm. And I think that one was shouting jar, as in track <laughs> by J-A-R, as in a pint, as opposed to ya, as in... Yahweh. That's strangely appropriate, I think. Uh, oh, oh, mate. <laughs> that, that, was, that was the low light. But you know you coming up with an idea in the pub and then just doing it? Yeah, yeah. That without the filter, Because <laughs> right? it probably seems like an amazing idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, why are we saying jar? <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be funny, eh? I don't want to sully the water. People should, people should forget I ever, we ever had this part of the conversation. I, I, I can do that thing now and go, oh, we'll cut that out and then not cut that out. That seems to be a okay. podcast trope, right? Um, <laughs> Maybe. So Nick, you got uh, opinions on any of the albums or anything? Well, I think I'm going into the uh, immersion, I kind of only really knew Red Roses for me and Rum Sodomy and The Lash. And I, I think I kind of assumed that that was really all that you really needed to know. Mm-hmm. But that was sort of an arrogant assumption. Basically, I've only heard two of them, therefore they're the best. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I still stand by the claim that they're the best. <laughs> but I think uh, if I should fall from grace with God, definitely stands stands up alongside them, pretty good. So that was that was a nice discovery, just to just to find an album that's as good as the the other two. Maybe yeah. I'd still put it in third place, but you know it's up there. Yeah. Um, okay. And then they kind of get a little bit sludgy after that. There's yeah. still good stuff in there. It's none of it. I didn't find any of it awful. Um, maybe a few bits of Mickey Swerve a bit later on. I yeah. don't have any examples there. But, but yeah, you, you start to notice that Shane's missing a bit as it goes on. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the later albums are inessential, but it's worth going through them all at least once, as we've done. Yeah. And, and do you think, like I do, that there's an awful lot of people who who maybe misrepresent the Pogues in terms of what they think they're about, if, you know. Uh, probably not. Maybe us. see probably it as a bit of a... Probably people listening to this go, that is not the, that, that's not what the Pogues are about. What are they yeah, talking yeah. about? What were you going to say, John? Like, how do you think people misrepresent them? No, but just, well, I mean, partly fairy tale in New York, but also, like, the, there, were a couple of, um, uh, there were a couple of people from the US yeah, who were yeah. saying, who were saying, you know, to them, the kind of, the Pogues and the Dropkick Murphys, and the, there's this whole sort of scene of, sort of Celtic folk punk yeah. where a load of the yeah. guys are like really like they're in there's a load of police well I mean you said about the wire yeah, yeah, yeah. but they're, they're sort of identified with the police and, and and sort of quite big muscle white guys with tattoos yeah, and, yeah, and, and it seems if you listen to any of Shane McGowan's lyrics you know the idea of working out and being <laughs> into the police <laughs> is the yeah. absolute diametric opposite of, of the, uh, you know all it's his things come, about the police and about the oppression. It's an interesting thing we come up against in the group quite often because we've got quite a few Americans in the group as well. And you come across yeah. like artists that have a very different kind of profile in another country. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think we could sort of, to some extent, relate to uh, what some of the Americans were saying about Bob Marley when we did that. But, you know, they kind of, they, they kind of just dismissed it totally as being this thing that potted students listen to. And although you can relate right. to oh, the actual okay. very deep suspicion, I think in, in Britain people can sort of relate to that, but still like the music. Yeah. 
rather than dismissing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still see it for what it is, which is yeah. some of the best stuff ever, really. But anyway. Yeah, and, and so, yeah, the same, I guess, with, with the Pogues. And, and the thing is, I don't really like a lot of other bands that kind of followed on from the Pogues. I guess I do have those kind of associations. You did follow on from the Pogues. I mean, obviously, when you've mentioned Dropkick Murphys, I mean, there's the, there's the sort of Pogues direct route, Irish trad, bit of punk. Well, what mm. other bands would you say lived in the shadow of, say, Shane McGowan and the Pogues? I mean, in my head, I keep having um, Baby Shambles and the Libertines mm-hmm. popping into my head. But is that just because shambolic creative force who, mm. sort of, I don't, who, who writes poetic songs? I, I think there's an element of that, actually. I mean, it's yeah. something about Pete Doherty, but, but Pete Doherty was... Uh, I've, it is a Shane McGowan fan, and, they, and they, I think they, they appeared on stage together and stuff. Um, and obviously the Libertines are absolute clash obsessives. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As well as the Pogues, and there's Mick Jones, who produced, who's been around all of them. So I think that kind of London punk clash thing is, is quite strong with those bands. But I do think the idea of bands that explore the, the underclass or the underside of society properly or 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 even try to are the ones that I think of in terms of the folks. So like Tom Waits and Nick Cave are obvious examples. Mm-hmm. Nick Cave for his sort of uh, literary element, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's all very considered, it's all very Didn't they? references are very clever. And, and Tom Waits for the kind of Bukowski style talking about the underclass kind of thing. I think we have a wonderful world, uh Shane McGowan and Nick Cave, twelve inch, somewhere sitting in the. Oh house. yeah, <laughs> no, it's not really a highlight. It's, it's, it's not good as a career, though, is it? It's it's no. not great. No, it's not great. It feels like something that was inevitably going to happen, but mm. nah. No, I know. I know. It's a shame. Well, hopefully, um, our listeners have enjoyed uh, this trip for the pose as well as we have. Uh, John's curation was was excellent, and I think really told a great story. Um, also, I think as a podcast, we know a little bit more about what we're doing than last time, but we are nowhere there yet. You will probably disagree with most of our opinions. Brilliant. If only there was a place where you could go and tell us. No, wait, there is. There's the Facebook group, which is where this all started. Um, as you should know by now, we take an artist and somebody curates from start to finish. We comment, we argue, we disagree. Um, Sacred cows are often slaughtered and surprising uh, new favorite bands come out of the ashes from that. Um, We're currently, as we're recording this, doing Run the Jewels. Um, Recently, we did things such as Bob Dylan, St. Vincent, Nick, Mm -hmm. what else was there? Grace Jones, Little Richard. (laughs) Yeah, Little Richard. My God, we recently did Little Richard, which was was astounding uh, journey through the history of rock gospel and, and rock again. Um, rock accused of being uh, ambulance chasers and um, it's entirely justified. Well, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. What are we doing next? Uh, Ennio Morricone. Oh! R.E.M. Oh, shit. Uh, did, Love, uh, Bell and Sebastian. Daniel Johnston last year, just oh, after he died, granted. Um, yeah. Oh, I mean, of all time, like Can, the Smiths. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. That was for Can, the other Smiths. Um, join, come to the out. Facebook group. Come to the Facebook group. You will find a list of all the bands we have done. Do. You'll be able to go <laughs> back and find uh, all the previous 
uh, curated uh, conversations. We are aiming to, to take as many of the interesting ones as we can and turn them into podcasts. This might take some time. Um, join us. Everyone's relatively nice, I think. Um, oh, who, is, who is that band whose fans turned up and kicked up a fuss? Sleaford Mods. There was some, if you're one of those Sleaford Mods fans who turned up and was a bit rude, but not you, but everyone else, everyone else. All right. <laughs> Have I just made enemies of all the Sleaford Mods fans? It's not hard. <laughs> um, I found myself among them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you probably enjoyed it, didn't you? I, Sleaford Mods. I, I hated it. Excellent. Let's do them next. Really hated it. And I hated it almost as much as I hate the fall. Not quite. <laughs> um, oh, and if you carry on listening to this podcast, at some point you'll hear my heart totally sink and break as, as Nick announces that we're doing three fall specials. Um, by the time this comes out, this might be before or after, but we're planning a Mercury special as well. So that'll probably be there where you get your podcasts. Remember, uh, you can listen as a podcast or you can listen as a playlist on Spotify. We recommend the playlist. If you've just listened to an hour of just us talking, there is a version out there on Spotify where music comes in between all the introductions. It's well worth checking out. Um, from me, there's nothing else. John, hope you've enjoyed yourself. I have. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks. Uh, and Nick, anything to say? Nothing. Nothing at all. Come all on, right. you bastards. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you all next time. Uh, and goodbye. Bye. Cheers. Good night. It just remains to say thank you to all the people who've made the Temp Fans podcast possible. Firstly, to John Tanzi for his effort in putting together his guide to the Pogues and for his hypnotic delivery. If you ever wanted to do a guided meditation that mentions nipple erectors, this may be the only place on the internet. Thank you also to Ewan for co-hosting the podcast with me and for his tireless efforts editing this unholy mess together. Thank you to Jonathan Fisher for composing the Temp Fans theme. And remember, you can join the discussion at facebook.com slash groups slash tempfans. We're always open to new curators, so if you've got a band you'd like to talk about, get in touch. I'm Nick Hilditch, and I'm very, very tired. <laughs>